So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Super Rugby Pacific, we have our champions, the Crusaders. Who would have guessed they take the final on the weekend, 21 to 7? You've got myself, Toby and Leo. We're here. And boys, was anyone really that surprised that the Crusaders are really bloody good at rugby? Of course not. We had money on it. Making money. I I also said it at the start of the finals. I was like, Crusaders in a win. So I stood by them. You got to back their class and their experience. And I think they knew exactly the way they were going to play ahead of time. They came out and they executed and they looked like a team that was 10 times as good as the Blues, to be honest. Like the Blues defended valiantly and I just didn't think they were in the game at all. So surprised a little bit, but yeah, it didn't come completely out of the blue for me. I think the Crusaders were... um, Boy, going to be very strong in a final like this. They're just, they've got too many class players across the board. And they must have such a, an inner workings and, and machine in the background that does all the analysis, does all the sort of tactical planning for these games so that they just absolutely pick the eyes out of the opposition and their weaknesses. Like they made, they made Rico look pretty amateur. Um, Tavasa Shek didn't do a whole lot. Bowden did as much running around as he could, but I mean, really, all, the best he could do was kind of clear their territory reasonably reliably, put them put them back in the Crusaders' half. But um, like the forwards, just like just weren't weren't well, up that to was it. It the, was, it was the, the blues physic, forwards the just got absolutely yeah. dominated. Like Ooh, they had one or two scrums. I didn't see Yuani all game. Like there were certain yeah. players no, that yeah. just went completely missing. Um, but that's what I mean. Know, I think the quite... Crusaders suffocate those guys. I think they find ways to get them out of play and make sure that they, they don't get a chance to get involved. And the biggest thing they did in the first half of this game was they just starved them of possession. They would have had no kind of mental momentum because they didn't have the ball. They were just defending, 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 defending. And so yeah. you, you just never get anyone up to speed. Um, no one feels like they've had a good first half and they're building on that. They just feel like they're on the back foot the entire time. I do feel like the Blues The blues do lack a lot of smarts, I think, in the forwards. Like they do have, obviously, Bowden directing them around. I think Perifetto has been pretty good this year at providing that second playmaking um, you know, role coming out of the backfield. But Crusaders, just you saw it with even Whitelock in the lineup and, and Barrett as well, like stealing balls all over yeah. the place. Um, they just showed so much maturity in that forward pack. I think Matera added a lot actually in the end. Um, Cullen Grace outplayed Hoskins Satutu in my mind. Mm. Um, there were a lot of guys one-on-one that really matched up well against the Blues. And even though you'd think, you know, the Blues are a team of athletes, I think they've probably got a bit to learn in terms of rugby smarts and rugby IQ. Mm. Um, they, the Crusaders are just so good at that and they've, they've been that way for a long time now. 
Well, it took over 20 minutes for the Blues to actually get into the Crusaders' half. They got a couple of piggyback penalties, got down to like the 10 metres out, um, and then just started losing lineouts left, right, and centre. I think they lost 10 um, of their own throw, only kept nine of them. So Crusaders had their number um, absolutely all the way through this. As you said, it just started pinning them down um, in their own territory the whole way, forcing Finlay Christie to kick. Um, obviously not a known um, great box kicker of the ball and he just wasn't getting any distance on them, was just kicking it to Will Jordan, as we've said in past weeks, potentially the best player in the world. And just so, yep, go for it again, mate. And is this the best, you know, back three in New Zealand? I think this could be the All Blacks back three potentially. If I the best back three in the world. Possibly. I mean, the way they're playing at the moment, the form they're showing, Sevo Reese has really made a strong case to be included as a starting yeah. winger for the All Blacks after falling out of favour a little bit with selectors. Will Jordan, I think, is the future, obviously, and Geordie might have his work cut out securing that fullback spot. Um, and Lester Fainuku, look, it's another guy that's got immense power and speed and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they really complement each other well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the All Blacks actually do against Ireland with that. Well, that's the next challenge, obviously, coming forward. And I do um, agree, like, the Blues just didn't have enough, maybe it's not just enough sort of kicking in their back line with only Perifeta and Barrett when you've got going up against Moanga and um, Havili and Goodhue's not afraid to put in, put in kicks and Jordan as well. Um, it makes it very hard, but I've never known the All Blacks to ever play two specialist wingers. They always seem to put one fullback on one wing. Well, what was telling as well, like two of us as Sheck getting taken off early, that's a huge call. You bring in, um, you know, what's his name again? Heem. Heem off the bench and, and trying to get some punch through the line. But usually the Blues don't have any issues with that, like in terms of making ground in the carry, you know, after the tackle, after contact, Lamb, Talia, Rico, Yuani, like they, none of them are effective. Yeah, and that is underscored by how powerful the centres of the Crusaders were. Like, I think one probably led to the other. Um, Havili had a fantastic game. Commentators couldn't couldn't say enough good things about him, and, and they weren't hyping it up. Like, he was a standout in this game. And Goodhue, who's been just, you know, playing his role, and, and obviously he's coming off in the last couple of seasons, some, some severe injuries has been really building and, and played top form in this final. And, and those two just shut down what is, I guess, the the attacking engine room off, off Bowden Barrett's shoulder in the two centres for the Blues, been tearing holes in, in teams and distributing out to, um, yeah, Lamb and um, Fayani and stuff. Let's say Talia, yeah. And so, like, the the difference in those center pairings and the performance they put in, I think that really built the platform that the Crusaders were comfortable kicking in play. They kicked in play almost twice as much as the blues happy to pin them down in the back, turn over those 10 lineouts. Um, they only lost like two rucks the entire game. Yeah. 100 and saying like, just, just so dominant, just suffocating, a suffocating force. Mm-hmm. And the blues being that, you know, they're, they're only recently, um, competitive in these competitions in the last couple of years. They've really found a, a good unit. They've got people like Barrett to, you know, really bolster the, the maturity in their back line, but they haven't got 10 years of systems and, you know, some of these guys who have played together for a decade, mm-hmm. like 
they just don't have that yet and you can't bottle that 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 only comes with some of these losses are they'll talk about the loss they had to have to maybe be the winners next year so still a really entertaining game but just a just a textbook example of crusaders at work as they have dominated these competitions for decades yeah, I think the Blues overall probably did miss having like Patrick Tuipulotu in there in the second row, really to steal the forward pack and a bit more of a line-out specialist. Like Tom Robinson isn't really a second rower, sort of as good as he can be in the line-out in terms of bringing them forward. More open field player. Yeah, and ends up Crusaders win at 21-7 to and Razor Robinson dances again. And my well, comfortably outplayed Bowden, if we didn't really say that, like the, the light and day... I guess surrounded by a good team and a good combination. Well, that's it. Just just looked so relaxed, had every answer. Um, and and Bowden was, you know, doing a really good job, probably stopped at being 28, 35, 7. But the yeah, it's just the the visuals very much looked like Moanga had his had his hands on that 10 jersey for the All Blacks. Well, that brings me to my next question. What do you think? Like you're talking about this was the battle of the tens pretty much for the All Blacks is also the battles, battles of the centres because it's the four centres that are going to be around there along with Quintapire as well. What do you think the All Blacks 10, 12, 13 combination is going to be come um, the 2nd of July, First Island, Eden Park? Um, look, I honestly think Richie's got two hands on that jersey now. I think David Havili potentially has the chance to start. Um, I think he's such a smart player. And when he's in form, he's, he's really excellent um, at that inside centre position, position and obviously has the combination with Richie, which really helps. At 13, it's a little bit dif- difficult to decide at the moment. I mean, ALB is usually my choice there for 13. Um, but, you know, if you're looking at outside that, Quintapire maybe. Rico, I wouldn't be playing. I still am not sold on him as a 13 at international level i like him on the wing um but i think his form lately doesn't really you know warrant selection in that 15 jack Woodhue, who knows i mean they've favored him at 12 in the past he seems like a bit of a jack of all trades in the center's position and um they trust him so if he's if he's healthy and he's obviously in form now um i could see him being selected at 13 potentially as well I wouldn't forget, like, Ioanni has been, like, the final wasn't his best game. He was pretty um, pretty uninspiring, I guess, compared to his opposition. But he's making sort of 60-odd metres off half a dozen carries a game in the games leading up to this final. He's been a pretty staunch um, attacking base for the Blues. And you put him in the right system... Um, I think that there's there's a high ceiling, right? There's huge potential. But I do think now that someone like Goodhue is back and is looking, if he if he could be that solid in an All Blacks jersey, would it not be comforting for him to be at 13 and get someone like Quinta Pyre in at 12? I don't think Tuvasa Shek has earned a starting spot. I think David Avili is definitely deserving, and so that's an option. And so to me, maybe it's maybe it's more of a Quinta Pyre cross. Havili choice where maybe it depends if they're trying, if they do this dumb stuff where they try and force Bowden into the 15 as well. I, I don't think Havili gets a run because you don't need another guy who's sort of a, a playmaking second pivot, um, not as much of a ball run, although he's very sort of, he's, he's very, uti- he's got high utility value. Like he's doing everything 
pretty mm. well. Um, and he's a biggish guy, but I think you could probably toy with Quintapaya there if you if they didn't want that second playmaker, if they felt like the guy at the back, whether it's Will Jordan, whether it was Bowden, whether it was Geordie, like they've all got pretty good handling skills. They can they can put the ball where it needs to be um, in the set piece and and in sort of counter-attacking play. So um, I think Quintapaya is an asset. I, I think he's probably needs to be in there somewhere. Um, that's... That's harsh on um I agree on with Rico, you. I guess, but but I th- I think Rico's just kind of like hasn't quite smashed his potential consistently. And do you want to start off your, your international season with a question mark, or do you just go back to solid good hue and let's see what we can get out of twelve? I think the bigger thing that you worry about versus Ireland is defensive, and they showed last time they played New Zealand they were running through them all over the park. So I think you've got to focus on your defensive best players, which I don't think puts Rico in that. So personally, I would put um, Goodhue at 13 and Tapia at 12. Havili raised a lot of question marks when he was playing 12 last year at the end of the season tour for the All Blacks. And a lot of people didn't think he had what it took um, here. And I think that's going to be the same sort of um, feel going forward that he's just not quite big enough um, for as an international 12 um, doesn't quite have that sort of ball running punch that they like to have in their 12 as well so I reckon you're going to see Tupaya and Goodhue probably with Rico um, on the bench and I still sort of have this weird feeling that you might see Barrett starting at 10 and I don't know why it's just I don't know whether it's just because I'm in Auckland and people are still like no 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 Barrett's Barrett's so good um, I would prefer if I was the coach, I would put Richie in, but I just have this feeling you're going to see Barrett. I think Barrett has a lot of powerful players, like, you know, outside of rugby that support him. You know, he's destined probably to be, have a, a big media career. He seems to get all the special treatment um, throughout New Zealand and throughout New Zealand rugby. Um, so that wouldn't completely surprise me, but based on form, um, based on age, because Richie's a few years younger, right? Mm. Um, I think Bowden's, he's not done, but I think he doesn't have a whole lot longer, I think, in this All Blacks team. Um, I don't see him hanging around playing off the bench for a number of years. I think he'll end up just going offshore again and making the most money he can, um, mm. potentially after next year's World Cup. I think he'll probably fight to the very debt death to get that starting spot leading into next year's World Cup but Richie's clearly the better player and I think he's shown that over in the last three years or so I think Bowden should be keeping his uh, ears clean like you never know when someone's going to get injured Richie Mong has been very very reliable um, had a very good run but um, I mean he's the first choice drop in and I would think he should be focusing on maintaining his presence as a 10 in the squad, not not trying to get wedged into 15. They've obviously got so many choices at 15 now as well. And it's like, how could you possibly keep Will Jordan out? I think he's got to be the 15. I think he's you're just reducing the space he's got to work with if you put him on the wing. He'll do a good job there too, but you could get so much more out of him at 15. Um, so, yeah, the Barrett, Barrett could be the guy, but I think Richie deserves... The spot but these things change very quickly um i don't think it'll change because of a loss because i don't think they'll lose to ireland but um injuries do happen 
so that's obviously starting um, the July internationals on the second with Ireland who have just arrived in Auckland I've been told um, and been hanging around the city a little bit so they'll be starting to get their um, get their toes in the water over here and they're playing the um, Maori All Blacks next Wednesday night in Hamilton as well um, as their first foray into New Zealand rugby as a tour. Otherwise, over the weekend, we had the end of the Ultimate Rugby Championship. Um, that's right, where the South Africans went. United. Oh, is it United, not Ultimate? Yeah, yeah. Right. United Rugby Championship. Such a dumb name, whoever come up, came up with that. That's horrible. I just don't understand why you would call something the Rugby Championship that, when there's already a Rugby Championship. So. Yeah, just call something United Six Nations or something like why, that. I mean, you already have a pros, something that you, it was before. Why not just add numbers to it like Super Rugby did? But look, uh, Well, they did. That model didn't last. <laughs> why didn't they just go back to pro rugby? Easy, done. Yeah. Anyway, so the South Africans showed how much easier it is playing in the Northern Hemisphere than the Southern Hemisphere because the Stormers and Bulls both made it to the final, knocking out the Irish teams. Um, and the Stormers took this one over the Bulls 18 to 13. Um, does anyone care? No one really cares. Maybe I think the folks I, in Ireland care. Well, I think they're going to care now because it's it's just shown the destructive force that South African be. And then they're, they're not even at their best. Like this is coming off two years of COVID disrupted. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And this is the first year these four teams have been in this competition after having two teams that were there and weren't particularly successful and got removed. So it's been quite disruptive in that competition. And suddenly it takes really takes the luster off teams like Leinster, teams like like Munster. Um, Mm. First year in the competition and they're getting beaten in the semis and you think, well... Is this what the, the future holds for the Six Nations if South Africa were to move north into that as well? Would it be just taking away from nations like Ireland, Scotland for ever having a chance of winning that competition? It would be sad to see. I, I don't know. The Six Nations has always been such a... Um, like it's just got that traditional northern rugby aura around it and the, the, the great rivalries that are there. And it would... I imagine the South Africans would just be dominant for a lot of the the years. Like oh, there'd yeah. be very few times the South Africans wouldn't be top three, and it would definitely put a, a significant barrier between someone like Scotland ever rising through that many top tier teams. Um, but surely this is not too bad for the was I can't remember it was pro, pro United no. pro, pro, no. In, yeah. <laughs> just call it the URC. Like, the URC, like yes, you are. It's, yeah. <laughs> you are. Um, the the fact that these teams now have a shake up, and I mean, to me, it reflects on the the quality of Super Rugby. Like, obviously, you take a couple of teams who are in the top half, even, um, but regularly making finals, I guess, out of Super Rugby, and put them into this other mix, and they immediately make the finals and win. One of them wins, like. Um, sort of gives me gives me hope that we've always been backing the right horse at Southern Hemisphere rugby is superior and it'll make the Irish game change its tactics like they'll they'll have to adjust and look at ways to counter the style of the South Africans and they'll also have to um you know evolve and and that might even flow on into the Irish team and that might flow on into Six Nations rugby and like 
it's it's just more more opportunities to get that mixture of styles of play versus like one-off games against national teams where depending on how the international season is going you get some um, funny selections and they're trying to blood some new players you don't really face up top top um, selected sides like top players sometimes as injuries like you it just feels like that will that will change the face of that competition, but it'll help diversify the styles and make them think. Irish rugby's just been smashing it out and, and winning for so long. Like they've now got to start thinking again, what are they going to do differently? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's I don't know, there's just something that doesn't feel right about South Africa being in that competition. And it's just not going to feel right because they have several of their own teams so it's almost like well you should be forming your own competition with teams in namibia or something you should be trying to get more countries into this sort of idea you should form a competition with namibia and georgia and get georgian like club teams in going to this sort of thing like i don't know i feel like there's just plenty of african jumping countries that are in the into another, yeah jumping into another sort of team's competition or country's competition just feels like a bit like invasive and it just I don't know, unsettles me anyway um, it's about time someone from the south colonized someone from the north tell you what get that up here yeah but does that have to be south africa come on like i don't mind the south africans i still hold my position from 2019 when i tipped them to win the world cup I'm like i like these guys now they're not they're not just the grubs they used to be they're actually good and i respect their brand and yes stuff stuff the irish have you have you watched that documentary yet? No, about I still them. <laughs> it's so good. I really should. Uh, um, it is a great documentary. But he, you know, Rassi's like, I want you to f them up physically. Like he's like he's literally on that. Like I want you to hurt them. I want you to actually go out there and injure them as much as you can because then they'll be scared of you. So they do actually really try and impose themselves physically as a team like that's part of their identity i think that's actually rubbed off on teams like england um and we'll talk about the wallabies next week but i think you're going to see a fair bit of focus on physicality from this wallabies team and there's some really big bodies in the forward pack that i think as a unit we can really put that together and and probably dominate england up front which we haven't done for a long time um so really exciting series there too Speaking of England, and they were coming up against a Barbarians team on the weekend at Twickenham and absolutely smoked by them, 52 to 21. Eddie Jones's men, that's not the start he would have wanted to give these boys a little bit of confidence going down under to Australia. Um, this was a team made up, uh, headed by the French, um, uh, French coach. Uh, you had Will Skelton in there, though he copped a red card earlier and made a record as a first Barbarians player ever to be red carded um here he was in the row with george cruz another englishman and then other than that we had a lot of georgian and french um players in this one but they absolutely run rampant over this english team and in what was a bit of a embarrassing sort of time i think for eddie jones's men yeah that's a that's a smashing um in in I guess more more of a mental edge. I guess that not what you want before you go on tour to have a game like that, where even even if they'd lost, but it, it, the outcome had been a bit less one sided. Like 
they might have felt like us oh, just to hit out just you know sort of blowing out the well then then you can make the excuses like oh no we were we were going for tries like we weren't taking the points so like that's yeah that's right we weren't like, hitting penalties yeah we this were testing really our set of, piece. We we're trying yeah. a few combinations. We we're trying a few new things. This is just an opportunity, a bit of a, it's a friendly, whatever. But no, this is like, it got to the point where it was getting embarrassing and they couldn't do anything about it. And that's going to, that's going to shake them up. And I'd, I'd, I look forward to, uh, well, I guess we probably won't hear much of it, but I'm sure there'll be some banter out on the field um, from the Wallabies come, come the confrontation that, you know, these guys can't even, can't even make it against a bunch of um, barbarians all pulled together, never play together, and it'd be just a nice mental edge for us to to press on them, I guess. Anyway, boys, let's just leave it there for this week. We'll obviously be back previews, previewing the July um, test window opening next week, which will be a very exciting time. Obviously, England, Ireland heading down under. You've got Wales heading over to South Africa, the French heading to Japan, just to name a few there. Um, absolutely exciting times ahead. And something we haven't called out for before, send us a message or leave us a review if there's something you want us to cover during this international season. Um, obviously, there's a lot of games to come. I think Wallabies are playing 14 tests throughout the rest of this year. Um, we'd really love to get some feedback from listeners, particularly through your, your podcast site reviews. Um, let us know what you think, how things are going and what you want to hear about with these teams. Is there a particular team who you want us to hear more of and we don't usually cover? Give us the feedback and we'll do our best. Yeah, that's right, Leo. And I think we were having conversations about whether this um, podcast will continue in its current form or not. So if you like what you hear, let us know. Um, uh, if you want to keep keep hearing the boys speaking their minds, spe- spewing absolute filth, um, after each rugby week, truth. Australian lose, yeah, rugby um, truth. telling telling RA how to run Australian rugby. You can contact us on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod, um, or wherever you listen to your podcast, like, subscribe, and leave that review. Leo's asking you for. Um, you've got a weekend off, guys, so no need to to keep on running this week, but just get ready for next week because Eddie Jones, the English, are coming. Run. <laughs>